Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to look at verses 8 and 9. Then I got a few other scriptures that we're going to dig into uh, as we close out this Chasing Horizons series. How many of you have gotten something out of this series so far? And it's been, if you haven't, if you haven't been here, if you're a guest with us today, I want to encourage you, get onto our podcast. Uh, you can catch up on all the messages. Um, Pastor Erica says to say, what's up? She's preaching in Sandy today. And uh, so we're all just moving around. It's all kinds of fun this morning. Hebrews chapter 11, verses 8 to 9 says this, by faith. Abraham, didn't Pastor Andrew do an amazing job on faith last weekend? It's such a good message on faith. So I'm not preaching on faith today, we're preaching on something else. By faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed and set out for a place that he was going to receive as an inheritance. He went out, watch this, even though he did not know where he was going. Have you ever done that before? You ever just like got in the car and drove when you didn't know where you were going? Not many of us do that. Certain ADD people will do that, but uh, he didn't know where he was going. By faith, he stayed as a foreigner in the land of promise, living in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, co-heirs of the same promise. This morning, as we close out our series, Chasing Horizons, I want to speak to you from the subject, the other side of the horizon. The other side of the horizon, as we look at the perspective necessary to chase the horizon and move forward in life and faith. Will you pray with me just one more time this morning? Jesus, we love you. We love your word. We thank you that it's alive, it's active, it's powerful, that it has the ability to transform us from the inside out. And so, God, this morning as we read your word, as we do so in a company of people, this is where two or three are gathered, you are in our midst. And so right now in your presence, I pray that you would change us, you would transform us, you would speak to us, teach us now, redo who we are so that we can leave here better than how we came in. We love you, we honor you, and we worship you this morning. In Jesus' mighty name, come on, and the church shouted, amen. amen. About 15 years ago, I was introduced to what was uh, at the time a phenomenon in modern art. It was the uh, stereogram or the 3D picture. You guys remember these? And uh, you would hold these pictures, whether it was poster form or it was on the back of a cereal box. You guys, you guys remember these? There was like a bunch of weird little shapes, diamonds, triangles. And, and what you had to do is I personally think there was some sort of hidden recording happening while people would look at these things. But like I remember, do you remember going into Target or uh, other, uh, other places and they would have posters that were in the rack file, right? They were, in, they were framed and you could go through them. Some of you millennials have no idea what I'm talking about <laughs> right now. You're like, what's paper? Um, what's a frame? Is that on Instagram? No, it's not on Instagram. Um, but uh, so you could, back in the day, uh, you could, <laughs> in, in stores where you would buy CDs, there are these little discs. <laughs> Same place. You'd have, and there were, there were these posters, and they had all kinds of little shapes on them and everything. And what you had to do is you had to, like, get up. If you're me, I had to get up on the poster, like, put my nose on the poster, and then cross my eyes, and then, like, try to do, and then you would, like, pull back inch by inch, and then all of a sudden, if you did it right, come on, how many of you remember these? If you did it right, there was a hidden picture. And it was amazing. So, like, for a generation of young people, you would just have these kids standing in aisles, <laughs> just like, <laughs> and no one was high. That was the, it was just sheer entertainment. And so I remember these like vividly. They were like a part of my childhood. And I always loved them because I get so geeked and see these hidden pictures and like you step back and all of a sudden like <laughs> you have just these people standing in a row just like, 
mesmerized, that you're in a whole different world all of a sudden because your perspective had changed. And I've come to realize that perspective is a powerful thing, right? And I believe that the Bible is a manual for perspective change, that God actually has a lot to say about how we see things or how we should see things. Hebrews chapter 11, verses 8 through 9, we just read it, speaks to something that is so important if we're going to live lives of forward motion. If we're going to chase not just the horizon, but to see what's on the other side of that horizon, it will not just require having faith, but rather developing a perspective of faith. And there's a clear distinction between the two. See, so many times we think of faith as just this internal attribute, don't we? We say, like, you got to have faith. got to have faith, 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 right? we got to have faith. And we go, we, we feel that when we say it at a guttural level. you got to have faith, right? And when we say that, we go, okay, that's a stomach word. But Jesus is going to flip the script on the idea. It's not just a stomach word you say, i got to have faith that grounds me, but i got to have faith sight-wise that moves me forward. And the funny thing is, is that many of us will say that we have faith, but we don't see things through faith. Come on, somebody. We have faith, but then we have negative perspective. We say that we believe something, but the way that we see things is very different than the way that we say we believe things. You ever been there before? You ever met the person who said, I got all the faith in the world. And then when you ask them a question about something, Eeyore takes over. Right? All of a sudden, when we say we have faith, we go, okay, I believe something. Faith and my belief system are two different things. I can believe in God, but not have faith in him. I can believe in him from a knowledge standpoint, from an educational standpoint, because I read some commentaries, and I read some history books, and I read the Bible, and I can believe in him at a knowledge level, but then there's this faith side of things that overcomes where the line is drawn sometimes between what I can tangibly grab a hold of in my belief and what I have to know about God in my faith. Am I talking to anybody? But then there's another aspect of it, belief, crossing the line into my faith, crossing the line into the way that I actually see things. And that is where it transforms. When I see things through the eyes of faith, I now can take forward steps into the future that God has for me. And I think one of the greatest reasons that we don't walk into what God has for us is because we have faith, but we don't have eyes of faith. We don't see it with faith. And so we got to work through what it looks like to have a perspective built on faith. So in in order to illustrate this message and take us to some very practical application, I want to use another moment in the Bible that I believe speaks so clearly to this point. I'm excited this morning. You guys excited for church? Come on. So Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. And uh, verse 35 we're going to look at. And this is probably one of my most favorite stories in the Bible. This is going to give us kind of the, uh, the practical application that we need in order to, to, to work through this concept that we're dealing with this morning. And it says this, on that day, when evening had come, he told them, let's cross over to the other side. Every shout, other side. Come on, every shout, other side of the sea. So they left the crowd and took him alongside, uh, took him along since he was in the boat. That's Jesus. And other boats were with him. A great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking over the boat, so that the boat was already being swamped. He was in the stern, Jesus, sleeping on a cushion. So they woke him up and said to him, Teacher, don't you care that we are going to die? He got up, 
he rebuked the wind and said to the sea, silence, be still. The wind ceased, and there was a great calm. Then he said to them, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? And they were terrified and asked one another, who then is this? Even the wind and the sea obey him. The truth is that the disciples had a perspective issue. Even after spending as much time with Jesus as they had, they did not have an accurate understanding, knowledge of faith-filled perspective of who he was and what he was capable of. And I think for many of us, we'll find ourselves there. We'll come to church, we'll go to table groups, we'll go to worship nights, we'll serve, we'll give, we'll do all those things. But when, it, when push comes to shove, when the wind starts going and the waves start rocking the boat, come on, how many of you know that we can lose our minds sometimes? Right? So is it possible that we're much like the disciples where we're going, like, I'll get into the boat with you. I'll, I'll gladly go to the other side with you. But when there's wind and there's waves and there's a storm, man, I'm going to wake Jesus up and start freaking out on him because that was not what I signed up for. Come on, somebody. Because let's just be on. Can we have like a therapeutic moment in church today? Most of us have signed up for easy faith. <laughs> not faith faith right like just like, like I'm right there with you there's so many times that I'm like God <laughs> no I didn't sign up for wind and waves I signed up for being on like the cruise boat faith right like you say hop into the boat and, and I get to just eat in the buffet line and hang out and, and wear my larger pants because this is easy faith Come on. But notice, notice, because how many of us would be like, the, like if Jesus was like, hey, guys, I need you to hop into the boat with me. Just so you know, heads up, there's going to be a storm. I'm going to be sleeping. Don't wake me up. The rest of us are like, nah, I don't want to get on that boat. I don't, like, I don't like that boat. But we didn't sign up for a faith that was easy. We signed up for a faith that was developed on a cross. It's not easy faith. And I think that's where we're at, especially in Western American Christianity, is that we want everything to be, to have the easy button. We want it to look good. Do you, we have to remember that the picture of our faith was a man beaten and bruised hanging upon a cross. That's the picture of our faith. That's the impetus of our faith. The other side of that faith, the other side of that horizon line, though, was the Savior who got up out of the grave. So while he may have been on the cross, he got up out of the grave. So there's two sides of our faith. There's chasing the horizon. The horizon looked like a cross, but there's the other side of the horizon, and it looked like an empty grave. Come on, somebody. That is what our faith is. And so we've got to understand that there's two sides of it, but no one wants to go to the cross. We love the resurrection story. We love resurrection faith, don't we? But we don't like the faith that looks like dead. But God's desire for our lives is to shape our perspective in such a way that we see every situation and circumstance in a way that is biblical, spirit-led, grace-saturated. One where we actually believe and know that in and through Christ, come on somebody, anything is possible. Anything is possible. And here's the truth. God's perspective is the ultimate perspective on all things. The goal is to align our perspective with his perspective. And alignment only happens when we are able to shape our perspective according to specific truths found in the word of God and based upon the nature and character of who he is. 
And I think for many of us, we've shaped and allowed our perspective to be shaped by things that at the end of the day aren't necessarily anchored in the nature and character of who God is. If we have a perspective of faith that's easy, that's actually not shaped by God. Come on. We've got to wrestle with things. We've got to go through things. And the reason that so many of us don't chase the horizon, the reason that so many of us don't move forward in our faith journey is because our faith journey includes storms. We talked about that last week. It includes hard moments. It includes doubt. It includes fear. It includes distance from relationship. It, it, it includes insecurity in moments. It includes all of these different things. And God's going like, if you would just allow your perspective to be shaped by me, if I can make you see things different, then we're going to move forward. We're going to go to the other side. He called the disciples to the other side. He didn't tell them about the storm. He's sleeping in the boat, but he called them to the other side. He said, you've got to have a different perspective here. And so what I want to do for the remainder of our time this morning is I want, to, I want to look at three truths that our perspective should be shaped by. But before I do that, I want to read you a quote to set it all up because I think this was a powerful quote that I just read the other day. Someone said this, nothing ventured, nothing gained. You only need enough courage to respond. After that, you can drop the mantle. Because at the end of the day, the only thing that you and I are required to do is have a perspective that says, all I need to do is respond to Jesus. And if I respond in obedience, I can drop the mantle because everything else is his. Notice he just said, hey, get into the boat. Let's go to the other side. Nothing else. Just get into the boat. Let's go to the other side. And so I think there's some truths in this, in this uh, section of scripture that we can pull out, that we can extract, that I think will help us and uh, more importantly help us shape our perspective. And so that's what I'm going to look at. Three things. Come on, everybody. Shout number one. First thing is this. Our perspective should be shaped by promise. Come on, somebody. Our perspective should be shaped by promise. Mark 4, 35. On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. Notice he didn't say, let us go to the middle of the water. Notice he didn't say, let us venture out a few feet where it's safe and it's nice and it's calm. No, no. He said, other side. Adele was singing in the background. It was a beautiful thing. He said, let us go to the other side. <laughs> See, our perspective should be shaped by his promise. It was in the statement of destination that the promise was declared. Jesus said, let's go to the other side. He was clear, he was direct, and he was pointed in order to let the disciples know the expressed destination. And the reality is that for most people, especially outside of a relationship with Jesus, we have no idea of all the promises that we have in him. And I want to declare this morning, and I want to let you know this morning, church, that there is a slew of promises that God has given us. Charles Spurgeon said it like this, God's promises are often so little studied by his people that they are like a great bunch of rusty keys till we really need them. And then we turn them over and we say of some particular promise, that just meets my case. Blessed be the name of the Lord. It must have been made on purpose for me. Second Peter 1, 3 through 4, his divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises. Come on, we shall promise. So that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. In other words, we have great and standing promises that have been given by God. And these promises are not just available, but they lay the foundation for which we rely on him for. 
But how many of you would understand that a promise is only as great as the promise maker? And this is why we must understand the nature and character of God, his goodness. At the end of the day, Jesus said to his disciples, what? Let's go to the other side. His disciples got into the boat with no questions asked because Jesus made the statement of destination. Yet they still freaked out in the middle. We'll talk about that in just a minute. But I think with the promises of God, it's easy to get, it's easy to get them misconstrued as to what those might be. Our, interpre- our interpretation of what a promise is and what it means could be vastly different than the reality of truth that we find ourselves in. So for the sake of practicality this morning, I want to give you, I want to give you some promises, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to charge through these like a bull, okay? Um, five essential promises found in the Word of God. You love your Bible? Because there's a lot of Bible that we need to understand. Uh, he gave us the promise to supply. Philippians 4.19, and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in the glory of Christ Jesus. He gave us the promise of sufficient grace, 2 Corinthians 12.9, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. He gave us the promise of strength and temptation, 1 Corinthians 10.13, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. He gave us the promise of victory over death, 1 Corinthians 15, let sting of death is sin, the power of sin is the law, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. He gave us the promise of things working out, Romans 8, 28. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Come on, somebody. Our perspective should be shaped by his promises. When I know these promises, I can walk into the storm. I can get into the boat. I can keep on going. Why? Because I know that the promise maker has given me a good promise. He's given me a good promise. My kids, uh, they hold on to my promises. My son, the other day, we have this new game that we're playing. I stand in the backyard, and he runs to the front yard, and we're doing blind faith football, which is simply this. I huck the ball over the house so he, <laughs> so he doesn't know when it's coming and what's going on, and then his goal is to try to catch it, right? And uh, so it's a lot of fun. Like, it's pretty awesome because he just stands out front, and then he yells, go! And I'm like, all right, and I just chuck this football, and I'm getting older because my arm's <laughs> not working as much anymore, and so... But I'm I'm throwing this football back and forth over the house, over the house. And so we played one day. And then after we got inside, literally 10 minutes, come on, parents, you know how this goes. He comes running in. He's like, Dad, Dad, can we play again? And I was like, nobody. My arm's tired. It needs at least 48 hours um, of rest. (laughs) He's like, can we play tomorrow? Can we play tomorrow? I was like, yeah, we'll play tomorrow. He's like, are you sure? And I'm like, yeah, I'm sure. Do you promise? Because he didn't want dad's sureness. Because how many of you know we can change our, our sure? He doubled down. He wanted dad's promise. Right? Erica was sitting right there, and I was like, yes, son, I promise. And she looked at me, and she's like, you know you better do that. <laughs> you, you, and so I had to work the next day, and it was a busy day. And, and so I was like, okay, son, yes, I promise that we will play this game. And all throughout the night, literally, it, it felt like every hour he was checking in on the promise to make sure, like, Dad, are we, are we still good? Yeah, yeah, son, we're still, we're still good. And then he just play and you know, at dinner. Man, I can't wait for football tomorrow, Dad. You promised. <laughs> I know, son. Shut your mouth. <laughs> I know what I said. And so all throughout the night. And then the next day, he's just excited, right? We get up in the morning. What's he talking about? Promise. He's talking about a promise. 
right? We're wandering around the house and getting ready, and I'm working, and I'm trying to figure out my message, and what's he doing? He's buttoning in. He's sticking his head in my face. What's he checking on? The promise. Why? Dad made a promise, and so the promise is what he was hanging on. His entire life in those moments were based upon a promise. Think about that. Everything, the totality of his world in those moments as a nine-year-old boy was based upon one or a few words put together, I will play football with you tomorrow. We will do this. His entire being was laid upon and leveled on a promise of his father. And at the end of the day, what we have to understand is it is no different with God in our lives. He has laid out promise after promise after promise after promise. And our lives should hang on those very promises. And my perspective should change according to those promises. Why? Because I have a Father in heaven whose promise is sure and steadfast and strong. Right? So that's why we can wake up and you got a situation and a circumstance going on in life. And it's like, God, you said God, you said, you promised, you, you promised, right? You're believing for that job, you promised. <laughs> You're believing for that healing, you promised, God. You promised, you promised, you promised. And I can't tell you when the answer comes, but I do know one thing is that Jesus said to his disciples, like he said to us, let us go to the other side. We chase the horizon, we go to the other side of the horizon. Come on, somebody. Anybody thankful that Jesus has given us some promises that we can anchor our lives upon? So our, our, our perspective should be shaped by promise. Come on, everybody shout, promise. promise. Turn to your neighbor and say, I promise. promise. Turn back to them and say, no, you don't. Stop it. <laughs> Number two, the second thing is this. Our perspective should be shaped by power. Come on. Our perspective should be shaped by power. Mark 4, 39. And he awoke, and he rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. At the end of the day, we must realize that God has a power greater than we give him credit for. See, what happens so many times is that we give our storm more authority and power than it deserves. You ever been there before? You ever been in the place where you give the thing, the situation that you're going through, more power and more authority and more credit than we do Jesus? Right? Well, this financial situation, it's bigger than Jesus. This diagnosis from the doctor, it's bigger than Jesus. This relationship situation, it's, it's bigger than Jesus. This, this marriage issue that we're facing, we're on the verge, it's bigger than Jesus. No, it's not. No, it's not. Because he's the one that calms wind and calms waves by an authoritative word of power. How many of you know that if I were to get out in the street right now, on that street over there, I think it's, what, third? Is it third? Or there, or let's call it 2100 South, right? And I just, <laughs> whatever. I don't know, one of the roads over there. How many of you know, if I step out in the middle of that road, off the sidewalk, I get out in the middle of the road, and I get in front of a car as it's coming at me, and I yell, stop! right? They're going to do one of two things. They're going to go around me and not stop, or they're going to run over me. Why? Because a dude wearing skinny jeans and some boots has no authority on 2100 South. But if a police officer wearing uniform, have you watched these guys before? These guys literally, not, they just stroll out in the street, like just stroll. 
and everybody stops. They don't even have to put up their hand. They just go like this. They just look at you, the whistle if they have one, right? I don't know if they could do this in Canada because their, their suits are way less intimidating, but um, <laughs> just putting that out there. <laughs> if you're Canadian, I love you. Um, but what's the difference? What's the difference? The difference is authority. The difference is power. The difference is, is that somebody stands out in the street with a uniform because they've been given authority and power in a certain way. Now, I'm not making any other commentary right now. I'm just talking about the authority and the power that a person has. And they can step out in the street and they can stop traffic. Right? I was in California this last week and we were watching them shut down a freeway, a section of the freeway as we were going the other direction. And how many of you know if a Toyota Prius is slowing down with its hazards on, no one's going to pay attention to it? There's multiple reasons for that. That's later. <laughs> They're all going to go around it. But I watched this one lone police car throwing its hazards and its lights. And what happened? Everybody stopped right behind it. Four miles an hour, this cop's gone so that they could shut down the freeway so that construction could begin. Is it possible that we equate God more to the Toyota Prius then we do the one that has authority and power to say stop to the wind and the waves. Our perspective should be shaped by the power that we understand God to have. But many of us are living this, we, we have faith, but do you have faith to see things different? Because we would all like to say, if, if we were the disciples in that moment, we'd all like to say, yeah, sure, I wouldn't have woken Jesus up. But the disciples, and they'd been with him for so long, they understood who Jesus was. In this moment, they were so freaked out. Can I give you just like a little, just this is a one-off for this message, but this might help you out. If Jesus is sleeping, it's okay. Come on, somebody. If he is in the boat, if you're a disciple, put your feet up, Right? Grab a nice meal, sit back and enjoy the ride. Because if Jesus is sleeping on the boat in the middle of the storm, when he said, let's go to the other side, come on, somebody, I got to believe I'm going to get to the other side. I'm going to move to the other side of the horizon. Hello from the other side. See, it's the same power that breathed life into his creation as he formed man and woman. It's the same power that parted the sea as Moses and the children of Israel fled from captivity. This power was the power working in King David as he faced Goliath. This very power was at work when Elijah battled the prophets of Baal at Mount Carmel. And Elisha watched the widow's son come back to life. It was this same power that would give the prophets their voice, the disciples their resolve, the apostle Paul his new nature, and would raise Jesus from the grave. It is the power of God that should shape our perspective in storm. Peace be still. Calm. Why is he shouting so much? <laughs> this stuff gets me excited, y'all. Because sometimes we need to shout at our storms. Peace be still. Right? And then Jesus does something that's so crazy. Before he ascends into heaven, he gives us this thing called the Holy Spirit. He says it's going to live in you. It's a power. It's the same power that rose me from the grave that you now have to pray for healing and to believe for things, to stand in front of your storms and do what faith-filled, faith-sighted followers of Christ can do. Say, peace be still. Come on, somebody. 
peace be still. Some of us are facing storms today while we're trying to make it to the other side. Have you ever noticed that going to the other side always has a storm in it? That's dumb. That's in the Greek somewhere. I don't know what it is, and I don't know why it is. But can I tell you this? As much as Jesus has a future and a plan for us, the enemy has a way to thwart it. Come on, do we still believe that there's a real enemy that's, trying, that's after our souls? Do we still real, like, believe that there is a real enemy that's trying to mess up the path and the plan that God has for us? I do. Peace be still. So our perspective, come on somebody, should be shaped by power. Everybody shout power. power. Come on, everybody shout power like you got power. power. There you go. And number three, the last one is this, is our perspective should be shaped by purpose. We didn't read this at the beginning of the message, but watch what happens now on the other side. So they get in the boat. Jesus is sleeping. He gets woken up, more than likely by Peter, because he's the one that would have done it. He gets up, he calms the wind, he calms the waves. He says, guys, listen, stop freaking out. I told you where we were going. And this is why. Because our perspective should be shaped by purpose. Mark chapter 5, verses 1 to 2. They came to the other side of the sea. And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately, immediately, ever shot immediately? Immediately. There met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. Some translations would render demonic spirit, whatever it may be. And as the story would go on, Jesus would heal this man. See, it was the other side of the horizon. Immediately, he got out of the boat and they were met with purpose. They were met with a reason. They were met with the other side of the horizon. And for some of us, we're we're afraid to get in the boat. For others of us, we're in the boat and we're in the middle of a storm and we're saying, can we go back, can we go back, can we go back? And Jesus is sleeping. He said, no, no, I told you where we were going. I told you what was going to be happening. I told you what this thing was about. And I want to I just let you know this morning, if you need any bit of encouragement, can I tell you that there is purpose on the other side of the horizon? There is purpose on the other side of the storm. There is purpose in this journey. There's a reason that he's trying to take you there. Why? Because when you get to the other side, there is a person there. There is a job, there is a situation, there is a thing, there is a circumstance that's waiting for you. It's waiting for you.